You're listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. You know, from, a, um, from just kind of a different standpoint, not only are they um, just super, you know, just genuine and, and their musicianship is awesome, their heart's awesome and everything, but one of the joys for me is to be able to um, see how God is creating relationships all around us amongst different churches. Um, those of you that have been here a while know that um, there really is only two parts to Gravity Church. The reason that we exist is for two things and two things only. The first thing is because we feel like God has called us to be a small, specialized force of people who are willing to go the places that other people aren't willing to go, to say the things that other people aren't willing to say and to do the things that other people aren't willing to do in order to find that one lost sheep that's hiding, that's ashamed and broken and left for dead. And we want to go after them and we want to get them. But the other side of the reason that we're here is because we believe that God wants us to be people that love our family just like crazy. And, and the family of God is huge. And so the way that we show our love to the family of God is by going to them and to partner with them and to promote their events and to help them do what they do so that they can grow in their ministries and, and support them in everything that they do. And so if you come here on Saturday nights, it's going to be very common for you to meet people that actually attend other churches. And it's a great thing for us to be able to come together on Saturday nights and to be the body of Christ. Because I don't know about you, but someday, hopefully, this thing's going to be over and a lot of us are going to be in heaven. And when we're in heaven, it's not going to be, you know, like, oh, this church sits over here and this church sits over here. We're one big family, so we might as well start acting like it now. That's kind of the way I see it. So to have these guys come in tonight is just an expression of that. So it's really cool. I don't know if you guys will have a chance, but thank them tonight because they're a true blessing and hopefully we'll get them to come back here again soon. Um, we've been talking about what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. We've been talking about what happens when, when we encounter God. We've been talking about all of the things that take place in our life and all the changes that happen. And we've learned together over the course of the last month and a half or so that to be a disciple of Jesus literally means that you become a follower, a pupil, a student of Christ. It means that you have changed your mindset to the point to where you are now in pursuit of God. You want to know what it is to be a follower of Jesus and to be able to live your life in pursuit of that. And there's a drastic difference for many of us in what that looks like because many of us... Um, have been adopting things in our life for a long time that from the surface look like they're very religious or they look like they're, they're probably good things. But in a lot of ways, it's all very surface. And in a lot of ways, it doesn't go to the heart of the matter, which is, is your heart in a pursuit of God? For others of us, we come here and, and like we are very aware of, some of us here tonight have no concept of what it is to have a relationship with God. We don't know what church is all about. We don't know what religion and Christianity is all about. And so we come here tonight with kind of a blank slate, and we don't really even know what that means to have a pursuit of God. But I challenge you that the more you sit here and the more that you come into a place like this where God's presence shows up and you feel things here that you don't feel any other place in your life, the more that God will open up your heart to what that looks like and how that translates to your life. And I know because I have conversations with you that many of you 
are starting to understand what that looks like and you're starting to make steps towards, God, I want to pursue you. It's crazy and it's cool. Tonight, we're going to talk about what it looks like to hear God. It's one of the mystical things about Christianity. It's one of the things that for a lot of people is really hard to accept that God actually talks to us. We all know people that hear voices, right? Many of us in this room, we hear, some of us still hear voices. But we're not talking about that kind of voice. We're talking about this crazy idea that the God that created the world actually has something to say to you and me. And how do you hear that? How do you tap into that? How do you comprehend that? And what does it look like? See, learning to hear God's voice is different than the way that you and I talk to each other. And this is the key, and this is what you have to understand. When God speaks to us, He's not speaking to us with an audible language that you and I hear with a physical ear. He's talking to our hearts, and it's a spiritual language. And there are some of us here tonight that don't even know what that sounds like because we've never learned to listen with our spirit. And tonight as we go through this teaching, we're going to learn, hopefully, something that will unearth for us what it looks like to hear God. Let's pray. God, tonight we come to you with open hearts and with open minds. And I pray now, God, as we open up the Bible, that this would become more than just words on a page, but it would become alive and it would speak to us in a spiritual way. And we would, as a result, hear your voice. And we pray this because of everything that Jesus did for us. You made a way. Amen. In the book of 1 Samuel, I want to share with you just a quick story of this kid And this kid that we're going to talk about just to kind of start our talk off tonight had a very unique background. He had a very interesting story with his mom. This boy Samuel was somebody who had a mom who said to God, God, if you will cause me to get pregnant, and if I have a son, I'll take him to the temple, which in those days was the actual place where God showed his presence to mankind. This boy's mom said, God, if you'll give me a boy, I'll take him to the temple and I'll let you have him. I'll leave him there for him to be raised in the temple around the presence of God and in the ways of God. And this boy's name was Samuel. And as he starts to grow, something very interesting happens to him one night as he is sleeping in the same place as this guy Eli. Eli is the priest of this day. And Eli is the guy that everybody goes to when they need to hear from God or when they have something spiritual to do in their life. And so here's, a, here's an interaction between these two characters. In verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, The boy Samuel was serving the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. But one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, he had just gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God, when suddenly the Lord called out and said, Samuel, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He jumped up and he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, what do you need? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. And so he did. And then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel jumped up and he ran to Eli. Here I am, he said. What do you want? What do you need? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go on back to bed. Samuel didn't know that the Lord, or Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never heard a message from the Lord before. So now the Lord called a third time. 
And once more, Samuel jumped up and ran to Eli. Here I am, he said. What do you need? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if somebody calls you, say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. This story is kind of a crazy one when you think about it because it's a perfect replica for you and I when we begin, when we begin to hear God's voice. As I've had an interaction and conversation with many of you, by far, the number one question that I get is how do you know when God speaks to you? How do you know when it's God? How do you know what God sounds like? How do you know when it's God's voice? This is a tough thing for us to understand. And this story, on a physical way, details for us what it feels like. Three times this guy hears God say, Samuel, and Samuel doesn't recognize that God's talking to him. Isn't that crazy? How many of you have probably heard God's voice and never recognized that it was him? Maybe it was through a friend talking to you. Maybe it was through reading the Bible. Maybe it was through sitting in a church service. Maybe it was through listening to a song. Maybe it was actually just you and God. And you said, oh man, that's just my own thoughts. Or, oh man, that's just me just thinking of something. What if God was actually talking to you? Wouldn't it be cool to know? I think so. Tonight we're gonna talk about how to know, how to listen like Samuel listened and how to do what God says to do. I have a video I want to show you real quick. Had some fun this week, and I interviewed just a few people, some friends of mine from some different churches and some from people from here, and I asked them if they've ever heard God speak before. Take a look at what they said. Yeah, I remember a time that God spoke to me. Um, my wife and family and I were living in Southern California at the time, and uh, we'd been really praying because we felt like God was leading us to in full-time ministry. I remember a time in my life when God spoke to me about uh, the mission that he wanted me to accomplish. I remember God speaking to me about seven years ago when I was living in Vacaville, and uh, it was time for a change in my life. Uh, I remember my wife and I coming out of um, a hospital visit together, I think with one of our children that was getting ready to be born. I was in the middle of the sanctuary uh, framing walls, and just as clear as day, I just felt the Lord speak to me and say that this is where you're supposed to be. What God has asked me to do is uh, make people really feel uncomfortable and challenge uh, their, their notions of what the Christian life is and ought to be. I didn't really want to move to Lodi. I didn't think there were any good churches in Lodi, and I didn't really have family here, but I didn't really have any friends or good relationships here. Uh, we were in the elevator coming down out of the hospital and there was a lady who stepped into the elevator and you could tell that she was physically troubled in fact she was crying looking at some paperwork and I really had a sense uh, that she herself or somebody that she knew was experiencing the diagnosis of cancer in their life I really felt that strong in my heart and so um, she started praying uh, we prayed for about a month and a half 
and plan a trip to come back up to Stockton to really seek out and to continue to pray through the city and see if, in fact, uh, the Lord did want us there. And when I first started to sense God's calling me in, into that and really speaking into my heart, um, it, it was really scary. I, I knew it goes against everything uh, that I have personally because I, I don't like to do that. I don't like confrontation. I don't like to um, make people dislike me. I haven't moved to Lodi yet. The final compromise that I moved after several different things was I moved to Galt. And now I'm kind of feeling like I, for the last year, I really want to be in Lodi. And I'm really ready to be there. But it's taking some time. And I really felt like I should talk to her or ask if everything was okay or if she would even want prayer. I really felt like the Lord was asking me to do that out of just kind of a, a fear of not knowing that person and, and what that person would think, this weirdo in the elevator asking her a personal question like that, uh, I chose not to do anything at all. Since we've been here, the Lord has been so faithful um, to just show us that really it's all about being surrendered to His will and allowing Him to work in our lives and do what He wants and uh, that He will provide everything that we need. And it's not always what we think we need, um, but it's always exactly what we need has cost me some relationships. Um, it's cost me uh, a reputation of being well-liked to being somebody who is uh, challenging and, and sometimes uncomfortable, uncomfortable to be around. And that makes me uncomfortable to know that people think about me that way. But here again, I, I have to go back to what God has really asked me to do. And when I, when I stop and think about it and I ask God, is it, are you sure, God, this is what you want me to do? Um, this is what he keeps on putting back into my heart. This you must do. And I have run from this my whole life. In hindsight, I wish I would have listened to God. He knew and he knows what's going to happen in our lives. He knows the future. Life would have been a lot easier if I would have listened then, because this is now where I want to be, and he knew that. And after that, she left the elevator immediately, and immediately upon my own heart, I felt like I had missed an opportunity uh, to respond to just something that God wanted me to do. Uh, not that I felt like that I was going to pray for healing or that any of that kind of stuff, just the ability of obedience to step out and do something that God was asking me to do. In fact, not only did I feel that immediately, but I felt it all day long. And not like a condemnation, not something that was like uh, shame on you for not doing that, but a, a sense of that I missed an opportunity in my life to step out in an area of obedience and trust and faith in God to do something as minor as asking someone if they're okay or if they would like prayer in their life. Uh, and I still vividly remember that whole experience um, just like it was yesterday. What I've realized over the years is uh, we serve a God that, that likes to rock people's boats. And uh, for me, what he's asking me to do, uh, he, he is using me to accomplish that work in people's lives. You know, this idea of hearing God's voice when he speaks to us is one of these things that if I were to ask you point blank, do you want to know what God has to say to you about certain things of your life, in your life? Some of us, if we're honest, would actually say no. We don't want to know what God has to say about certain things in our life. It scares us to think about that. 
It scares us to open ourselves up, like Jeff was talking about when he was when he was sharing during our time of worship. He was saying, in order for us to truly love someone, we have to get close enough to make ourselves vulnerable to the place that they can actually hurt us. That's an amazing thought when you think about it. And for many of us, in order for us to get to the place to where we really want to hear God's voice, we have to be willing to open ourselves up to allow ourselves to hear. And that means for some of us that there's a, there's a conflict inside of us because we have chosen to listen to ourselves our whole life. I know what's good for me. I know what makes me happy. I know what I need. I know what I want. And many times, the thought of letting God speak to us scares us because we think he's going to say something different than what we want to hear, if we're honest. In the book of John, Jesus talks to us in a really explicit way about what it means to follow after him. And he uses an analogy of sheep and a shepherd. Now, I've never been um, one to raise animals except for, you know, dogs and, you know, cats and, you know, an occasional lizard or something. But in Scripture, we find this analogy of sheep a lot. And we find this analogy of a shepherd a lot. And Jesus says here, I assure you that anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. For a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. See, in this scripture, we find some things that are really, really interesting. The first thing that we find when Jesus is talking about this is he says that he calls us by our name. He knows your name. And when he speaks to you, he uses it. He speaks your name. Have you ever heard that? You ever heard God say your name before? And remember, we're not talking about physical ears. We're not talking about something that you hear audibly. I'd be kind of, you know, concerned for you if you walked around hearing God say your name out loud all the time. But have you ever felt it? Have you ever felt the weight in the quiet places of your life, in the sad places of your life, in the pain places of your life? Have you ever felt the weight of hearing the creator of the world whisper your name? Because he does. The other thing he says here is that as a shepherd leads sheep, he goes ahead of us. In other words, he knows what is ahead in your life before you get there. In this video, Teresa was sharing about seven years ago, God spoke to her and said, I want you to move to Lodi. And it was really interesting because something like that is so seemingly insignificant for a lot of us. But in her heart, she told me, I didn't want to move to Lodi. I had issues with people in Lodi and I wanted to steer clear of Lodi. And she knew that God said, move to Lodi. And so she decided to move to Gaul. Now, Gaul's close, right? 
It's only, what, 10 minutes up the road? I mean, Galt and Lodi, they're two different cities, but you could get to Lodi really quick. The issue wasn't 10 miles down the road. The issue was that God was leading Teresa, and he was ahead of her. He knew what was coming before she ever got there. And she says to me now, if I would have listened to God, right now I wouldn't be dealing with the pressure of wanting to sell my house in Galt so that I can move to Lodi to be where my family and my ministry is. But I didn't listen. Pretty common, actually. A lot of us have those types of stories. But the point is, is that God knows what's coming before we do. And he leads like that. If we'll listen. Another thing it says right here in this verse is it says that we will follow after his voice. Many of us think that to follow after God means that we follow after a set of beliefs. Many of us think that to follow after God or to be in a pursuit of God means that you rule the rules of the game. You do certain things and this is what you do if you're gonna follow after God. But Jesus says right here that to follow me literally means that you follow my voice. That means we've got a problem if we don't know what his voice sounds like, right? Voice recognition is an interesting thing. And voice recognition is at the heart of what Jesus is talking right here. See, many of you think that God's voice sounds like mine. I'm sorry, but God's voice does not sound like mine. Many of you may think that God's voice sounds like a friend of yours that you've always turned to whenever you were in a bind in your life and you needed somebody to help you spiritually. Some of you think that God's voice sounds like you. And it's none of those things. God wants you to learn to recognize his voice so that when he speaks, you will follow. As he leads, you will go after him. Because the result, it says right here in this verse, is that we will not follow after a stranger. We will not follow after somebody whose voice we don't recognize. And my friends right now, if I could tell you the biggest issue that you and I struggle with in life, by far, is who we listen to or what we listen to. You can go through your week And you can start off on Monday and you can be just having a great week and you can surround yourself with certain people whose voice speaks into your life something that is not truth and is not of God and is full of negativity and is full of doubt or it's full of temptation or it's full of whatever. And you begin to listen to that voice without even knowing it. And though it may sound familiar to you, it takes you to a place many times that you find yourself in, and then you ask yourself the question that we all ask ourselves all the time, which is, how did I get here? Or here I go again, or whatever. And if we track our steps and we go back a few days or a few hours or whatever, we find that the reason that we find ourselves in that familiar place, whether it's our addiction again, or whether it's the depression that we're wrestling with, or whether it's whatever, it's because we started listening to the wrong voice. And we didn't recognize it when it was speaking to us. And it is so subtle, my friends. As soon as you walk out these doors, you will begin being, you will be having people and things in your life that will be competing for your attention 
and your affection. And many of those voices will be lies and they will try to get you to believe them. Recognizing God's voice is a huge thing in our life. I was talking to somebody this last week and I, we were texting, you know, which is not the most, um, I don't know, it's just a horrible form of communication that we all do sometimes. But I've learned from experience that if you put a, a question mark instead of a period, it can screw your whole day up. You, you want to make sure that when you're texting that you don't push the wrong punctuation mark. But anyway, I was texting this guy and I asked him this question. I said, have you ever heard God speak to you before? And his answer was really interesting because I think that a lot of us can relate to it. He said, yeah, I've heard God speak to me. And this is what he said. He said, so-and-so told me God wants you to do this and this and this. And this other person told me God is trying to get your attention about this. And then he said this. He goes, but God's never spoken to me alone. He says he's never spoken to me alone. And isn't that what we're talking about tonight? Many of us have heard God's voice. Matter of fact, if you're sitting here tonight, right here, right now, whether you know it or not, tonight you have heard God's voice. You have heard God's voice through the people that were singing to God as the love that he showed us, we were responding to him. We were actually reciprocating God's love and you were hearing the heart of God being spoken by us. You were hearing God's voice as Jeff was sharing tonight in leading us in songs. And as we who have learned how to hear God from a spiritual place opened up our hearts, we felt God's voice being talking to us. You've heard God's voice tonight. It's just a matter of whether or not you recognize it. That's the question. I want you to do something for me right now. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen. Close your eyes for a moment and listen. Don't listen to the noises around you don't even listen to your own thoughts for a moment. But in the quiet place of your heart, listen for God. God, we want to hear you. We want you to speak to us. Teach us how to be quiet enough so that we can hear sometimes. In Matthew chapter 14, we find a story that I relate to so much. A story that many of you have heard before. Go ahead and open your eyes now and read this with me. It says, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent people home. Afterward, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. But meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. They were far away from land, and a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them, and he was walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. 
and said, it's all right. I am here. Don't be afraid. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on the water. Jesus said, all right, come. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. And he shouted, save me, Lord. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him and said, you don't have much faith. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. And they said, you really are the son of God. As these guys were in this boat and as this storm came up out of nowhere and as they started to freak out in their distress and in their trouble, Jesus comes walking right into the middle of it. What's interesting is that Jesus didn't make the storm go away. Jesus didn't speak to the waves this time. No, he could because he did in other places. But this time, he didn't stop the wind and he didn't stop the waves. He did something else. He said, don't be afraid. I'm here. And I love that because sometimes the waves are huge. And I want more than anything for God to calm the waves. I want him to calm my fear and my stress. And I want everything just to be safe and peaceful and quiet. And yet sometimes the waves aren't going to stop. And I need in that moment for God to speak to me. And I need to hear his voice say, don't be afraid, Jason. I'm here. And what happens as a result when they hear his voice What does it do? It instills courage. Peter gets brave, and Peter says, Jesus, I want to come out there on the waves. Jesus, I want to get out of the boat. I want to walk on water. I want to come to you. Jesus, can I do it? And Jesus is like, come. It's all right, come. And Peter begins to put his foot over the edge of the boat and he begins to get out there and the Bible says that he begins to walk and then he comes to his senses, right? And then he does what you and I do every day. He looks around and he starts to analyze and he starts to think this through and he starts to go, wait a second. Yeah, Jesus said, don't be afraid but I still don't have enough money to pay the bills till the end of the month. Wait a second. Jesus said, you know, he's with me, but I, I still have these shambles all around me of my life that are de- destroyed, and I don't know how to put them together. Wait a second. I, something must not be clicking here. And as Peter begins to look around at these waves, he begins to sink and cry out to God, and Jesus, of course, rescues him. But the point of this story for us tonight is not that Peter sunk in the water or that that's what we do many times. The point that I just really want you to hear is that when God speaks to us, 
it changes things. It changes things. I would love to be up here right now and I would love to be giving you a step-by-step formula for how to hear God's voice. Because if I had it, man, we could package that baby up and sell it in three easy payments of 1995. Hearing God's voice, just like everything else in the journey of following Jesus, is different for everybody. But the beautiful thing about it is that you already know how. You already know how. It's just a matter of whether or not you're willing. This same guy that I was talking to this last week, we were texting and we began talking about this concept about hearing God and about what God wants to say to each one of us if we would get ourselves alone with God. And this is what, this is what I said to him as, as we were talking. I said, God wants to talk to you directly. He wants to talk to you face to face. And his response to me was, really? I said, yeah, really. And then I said, there's things he wants to tell you about yourself that he won't tell anybody else but you. And his question to me was, should I do it alone? And I said, yep, it's a private talk. It's only for the two of you. And my friends, if you have never entertained the idea that God wants to have a private talk with you, tonight's your chance. Tonight's your opportunity. See, hearing God and listening for God is not like learning hard language that you have to go to college for, you have to read a book or anything. It's a matter of the heart. And it's a matter of being willing to open yourself up to listen for what he has to say to you. And we already know what he's going to say. He's going to first say your name. And then he's going to begin to talk to you about your life and about the pain in your life and about the fear in your life and about the stress in your life and about all the things that you have questions of. God wants to talk to you about those things. The only question is whether or not you'll listen. And in the middle of all of the stress and in the middle of all the anxiety and in the middle of all the fear, he wants for you to listen for the words. Don't be afraid. I'm here. I don't know about you, but I need to hear those words tonight. In my life, as I face my future, I need to hear the words, Jason, don't be afraid. I'm here. And I need to listen for his voice knowing that he's ahead of me, looking on the road before me and trusting that it's, it's going to be okay. Because this world's uncertain and my future is uncertain. And I need to know that he knows it's going to be okay. 
I'm going to have the band come back up here as we prepare to take the next few moments to listen. To listen to what God would speak to us. We come to these tables every week where we have bread and juice. We have little tin cups that we put our money and our offerings in to God. It's a sign from us to God with actions that says, God, you can have all of me. We believe that God gets all of us. He doesn't just get a part of us. And that as we pursue him and as we go after him, there are things that he wants to show us. And so tonight, as we take these next several moments to come and take this bread, which represents Jesus' body that was broken for us, and as we dip it in the juice, our ritual is to go and find a quiet place. But tonight, I want you to spend some extra time with God. I want you to say to God, God, I'm going to give you the time necessary tonight to quiet myself and to listen. Because every single one of us in this room tonight needs to be able to hear God's voice. And it starts by surrendering and laying down our life and quieting ourselves so that we can hear So we're going to take some time to quiet ourselves and listen for what God would say. So as these guys lead us in worship, as you feel led to come, come to these communion stations, come to these altars that we give our offerings to God, and then find a place to listen. Listen. Thank you.